0: Good evening.
1: Welcome to the October 26, 2022 meeting of the Transportation Commission for Kirkland. Um, we'll call roll we'll call first, and this is going to be a um, combination um, remote and in-person meeting. Um, AJ Antra? Here. Thank you. Um,
0: three. Here. Patrick? Present. Ryan. Here
1: we have a couple of absences today faith bold and
0: um RPL okay
1: next thing on agenda is the approval of the minutes of the meeting for September meeting do I do we have any comments
0: on those meeting minutes hearing none uh, do we have a motion to approve a motion to approve. So.
1: A second. Do we have any um, members of the audience that wishes to, uh, oh, we have oh, all in favor of approval of the minutes say aye. Aye. Okay. Aye. Opposed? Okay. Thank you. Do we have any comments from the audience who wish to speak? Uh, there are no public participants for this evening. right into the
0: agenda then first up is um, trying to get my internet up here sorry
1: first up is a presentation on the um 120th Avenue corridor with Victoria Kovacs
0: Okay.. might
2: a few presentations. Oh, there you go. And presentation. <laughs> Let's try it again.
0: Mm. space. Hmm. Oh. Oh. That works. Okay. Um
2: See, okay, here we go. Sorry about that. Um, so good to see you, Transportation Commission, um, Victoria Kovacs, uh, City Transportation Planner, and here to talk about the One Twentieth Avenue Northeast Corridor Study, which is kind of born out of the Station Area Plan. Um, In the adoption process of the station area plan this summer, there were some comments from council members and planning commissioners and also transportation commission about the 120th Avenue Northeast Main Street in the station area, which is a concept for kind of an urban design, an urban design concept for a pedestrian focused public space in the station area. a future main street with wider sidewalks, tree canopy and human-scaled active ground floors. And council directed us to say, well, do we have everything we want in the corridor design? So that's done this study. Um Fair and Peers were our consultants for this study and I'll be presenting their materials tonight. I did want to clarify um, if there if you all did tune in to council on the 18th there is a separate CIP project for 120th Avenue Northeast right now. It is the school and transit connector sidewalk um, asphalt walkway, which is separate from the study. That's really more of an immediate um, five foot asphalt walkway to connect the school to transit stops. And whereas this is more of a future visioning condition of development in 2044. Um, so this is a beautiful rendering from the area plan. And just again, kind of ground it in the stationary plan context. Um, Phase one of the four base code, which includes the commercial mixed use district um, was passed and adopted. And currently city staff is working on phase two, which includes neighborhood mixed use, residential and civic mixed use. And um, we do have a planner, I think in the audience virtually uh, to answer any questions that you might have about The station area plan and where we are in phase two. So, 120th, this is the corridor. It does overlap both of those districts. So, this is an opportune time while we're still going through the code to um, revisit the design standards for this corridor. And then, this is the street use in the station area plan. 120th does have two designations on it both the main street, uh, north of 85th, and then a neighborhood mixed-use street. These are really meant more for adjacent land uses and frontage
0: requirements of the streets.
2: And then also contextually uh, in the station area plan, this is the multimodal network map. So there were gonna be, or there is envisioned to be parallel bike routes uh, on 122nd Avenue Northeast, and on a future shared use path adjacent to 405. Um, so while 120th was really more of a pedestrianized street, uh, this corridor study does look at adding bike facilities to the corridor. And to orient you on all future maps, north is gonna be to the right. These are the zoning that is in the station area plan now. Um, the commercial mixed use neighborhood mixed use, and just a couple of quick, uh, landmarks for reference is Costco, the Petco, which is the Rose Hill mixed use development. And then the Lee Johnson dealership, which is uh, going to be a Google reader development. And then the cemetery and Lake Washington high school to the South. So Starting out the study within the stationary plan, you know, the corridor is going to accommodate pedestrians as the highest modal priority, uh, would not encroach into the cemetery plots within the right of way. Um, There were standard lane widths, sidewalk widths and landscape buffer widths set in the form-based code. So carrying forward those standards. Um, There are anticipated development plans. Um, the Petco, medicine Rose Hill Mixed Use that I just mentioned, and then the Lee Johnson uh, Google Future Development that the city has entered into a development agreement with. And then there's also improvements at Northeast 85th Street as part of the interchange, um, including new shared use paths and restriping to have three eastbound lanes. So this is what's in the stationary plan now as the baseline, starting at the north end. Uh, I'll go north to south, you know, right to left on this page. Um, <clears throat> it would be a wide 15-foot shared use path on the west side, a fairly wide landscape path that could have um, feasibly on-street parking in, in place of landscape in some places. And three traveled lanes uh, that could become a shared two-way left turn lane in the center. And then on the east side, a -a four-and-a-half-foot landscape and an eight-foot sidewalk. And that was really driven by that Madison development plan, which was approved by the city prior to adoption of the stationary plan. And then um, these further sections further south are kind of the same, and then it widens out as you reach the 85th um, intersection to have that dedicated right turn lane there. And then um, we did get an email comment about this median island. If you recall exactly where it is today, it is slightly more here. So it did shift slightly south uh, as part of that Madison redevelopment, but it is still staying there. And the reason it shifted is for uh, new driveway locations. And then south of 85th, um, with the Lee Johnson Google redevelopment site, they're planning to have a pickup drop-off lane, um, continuing the southbound bike lane with a buffer, and then two northbound left-turn lanes uh, to accommodate the, the anticipated volumes there. And then their driveway location is to be determined. We've drawn it here at 83rd, but it might shift, you know, in this vicinity And then further south of that, that would be a two-way left turn lane continuous so that we could have a left turn lane at the 80th street intersection, which will improve operations there uh, related to the high school. And then that southbound bike lane would continue uh, all the way. So that's what's in the station area plan now. And this study looked at an alternative design, you know, kind of keeping the same criteria, but then looking at a more consistent corridor treatment because of the stationary plan, we had you know, a shared use path and then bike lane. This would be a more consistent uh, look and feel, as well as we looked at um, maintaining some on-street parking, particularly at the south end, uh, near the Sophia Way, Helen's Place Women's Shelter. So again, starting at, at the north end, this is looking at, Sidewalk level raised protected bike lanes, um, 10-foot sidewalks still keeping the same travel lane configuration, um, which does require a little bit more right-of-way acquisition than what we showed in the stationary plan. I think it's about a two-feet difference, um, but not insignificant along a long corridor. And then um, instead of a median island, this, was, this is showing a conceptually a raised crossing, um, of course, there are truck traffic considerations, so you might do uh, semi-raised and uh, semi-curb ramps, but that's conceptually what that could look like. And the reason that is, is um, when we have a, a narrower landscape strip in the bike lane, we don't want to necessarily have to put bikes into the pit space with the curb ramp. And then again, further south, keeping that dedicated right trend lane onto 85th. Uh, kind of a little bit interesting buffer to have better lane alignments, uh, but that all sort of remained the same. And then south of 85th, again um, keeping the loading spaces at the Google development site, but putting bikes at the sidewalk level, and um, you know some slight acquisition on the east side. Assuming the same amount of acquisition as is already agreed in the development agreement, and then continuing again that bike lane all the way south. And instead of a two way uh, left turn lane all the way from wherever that Google Driveway is to 80th, um, this concept looks at some on street parking opportunity on the west side, Uh, since north is to the right. Um, And, you know, that might, we did show it on the west side as, you know, convenience for walking to and from rather than on the east side as a cemetery, but you could arrange it on the east side. If tapers or driveways um, might save us a few spaces there. So kind of summarizing and comparing the two, you know, with the alternative, we'd have a little bit more consistent sidewalk width. Um, The the bike lane is consistent, whereas in the baseline, we do have a shared-use path and then a cycling lane in the southbound direction only. Um, There is a little bit more right-of-way acquisition needed. Um there could be some more parking than we were thinking. and the trees uh, would be about the same kind of level of impact. Um, so kind of walking through each of those, you know, sidewalk width six to eight versus six to ten. landscape width is pretty consistent. This is wider where we were thinking about maybe parking interspersed with the landscape strip width. Um, you know, with the cycle lane, you do have a greater distance of the sidewalk to the travel lane. So a bike lane can act as a bit of a buffer. And then we showed again, um, referencing our active transportation plan, a protected bike lane is a lower level of stress uh, than a uh, an on, on street. Um the right-of-way is fairly consistent, you know, maybe a little bit more with the alternative, not the intersections. Um, it's kind of funny looking at the parcels in this corridor. It does zig and zag a bit. So this is a, an approximate average for each of these blocks. And then, yeah, the parking, um, you know, we could have some at that Costco end or we could have some at the very south end. Uh, and then here are the trees. These are kind of the typical trees of the corridor that we're talking about that we'd, we would have to potentially remove and replace as we're changing the curb and the frontage requirements to these properties. And these um, impacts do not include private property trees, such as these large uh, pines here at the Costco parking lot. And so that's it. So I look forward to your comments and questions about this.
0: I can pull up any
2: of these slides, too. That's helpful.
1: I just had a couple of questions on uh, geometrics. on um, some of these alternatives, you have a 13-foot lane next to the parking, and I was wondering, and then that's adjacent to a 10-foot lane going in the opposite direction. How about if you change that to a 12 and 11? It's a little bit more balanced.
0: Oh, this
2: one here, E.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And then the other question I had was, is 4.5 feet uh, for landscaping, is that maintainable? Is that the city size
2: yeah typically four is about the minimum you would have for a street tree and that doesn't include the curb distance Um, yeah that's a good point about the 13 you know maybe that seven is an eight or you know there's some kind of buffer delineation there Mm -hmm. Um, there is one bus line that comes on 120th it's more dedicated for the school so there's one kind of pickup and drop off time in the morning and one in the afternoon. So it is nice in that respect to have a little bit of extra width, but yeah, that could definitely be defined um,
0: with striping. No, this is great. Um, I remember on our walk, that rainy walk that we had, uh,
3: there was talk about the Forbes Creek uh, connections and how does this tie into it or? I, I didn't see a lot of transition between this to how to get to forbes lake
2: yeah that's a great question um so in the station area plan and both of these concepts carry the same design at the intersection here it would be a shared use path on the north side of 90th that would maybe in the future connect to a new bridge crossing over 405 um, and then to the east to a greenway and then forbes lake there would be kind of boardwalks coming out from here, cause it would all be over wetlands. So it'd be more similar to the boardwalks at Totem Lake now. It's so kind of more of a pedestrianized, it could still be cyclable and a cycling connection, but I think it'd be more, more pedestrian oriented. So in some ways it's nice to think about like a shared use on that side kind of spilling into a shared use right. boardwalk or a bridge. Um, so there's it's a more consistent user experience.
0: Oh, that,
4: that was it. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'll chime in with a question here. Um, I'll start off with an easy one, hopefully. What's the design speed that we are looking at right now for using the evaluation, knowing that we're looking at transitions of lane tapers and storage and counting parking stalls? It really does matter.
2: Um, yeah, I don't design speeds weren't really thought about for this particular corridor, um, I think as a collector, it's probably 30 or 35 now, um, but on a, a speed generally an approaching speed is something we're thinking about on a citywide basis, and revisiting our c- speed setting policy on a citywide basis. Um, you know, as this is like a future looking plan and it is pedestrian priority, I imagine it would be lower speed. Um, Mm -hmm.
4: this would be kind of an ideal one for a 25 or 20 consideration and that may factor into how the options are evaluated if they're put up for decision making both you know at this location and how we're approaching a lot of projects really um, options one thing I'll, i'll add is that i really like the alternative design the the consistent treatment throughout makes it really comfortable i like how it is um, going above and beyond what was in the station area plan, uh, the baseline, uh, given that it creates more of a comfortable network for people to get just about anywhere in this area on a bike. Um, I know this a large portion of this is more pedestrian focused, but I think it creates a consistent user experience, which is really good. So much so that I want to see even more. I want to see the protected intersections um, kind of showing those transitions. And um, that may factor in, in how people understand when they see the graphics. Um, those intersection corners look like they would be significantly different um, especially with bike lanes being in street versus behind curb Um, there's a there's a huge difference there
2: yeah on the protected intersections if i could chime in a little bit there um, i did go back and forth with the designer a little bit about what kind of intersections we show here and what those corners look like like you're talking about um because to the I have to keep reorienting myself with north to the right. So to the west, as you approach the 405 interchange, um, WashDOT is constructing the shared use paths. So as shared use paths are coming in on the west leg, you are having that mixed condition at the corner. So that's why it felt more intuitive to have a sort of mixing zone at the corner than separated out by use. And then similarly, that would give you know, maybe more flexibility about which crosswalk you choose to cross rather than being forced to be separated out by direction as a bike and then cross at a certain time. Um, but that's certainly something we could look at is what does that look like if we show out, um, separated head bike movements in the intersection, it would, you know, push back the crosswalk and the stop bar further, um, and it might be a little bit more take on the corners, but that's certainly something that could be carried forward and refined design.
4: And I know we've talked about protected intersections being applied, especially along 85th. And I'd be very interested to see what that would look like in comparison here. Um, Separating the user groups would have a a net safety benefit for pedestrians for sure um, through here. And definitely the transition of where you have that mixing um, go into separate user spaces would be a, a key piece of that. I think one of the other things I had there was um, I did like seeing the, the race crossing. I, I think that's, it's to a degree a policy element with truck traffic and um, who's prioritized. But saying that kind of held forward as much as possible and really looked at throughout would be really good to see a lot of those elements are Great ways to reduce driver speed and safety.
3: Thank you. I think we've talked about this before, but you know how we're missing that drop-off area for the for the transit station. Mm. You know, I, I know it's probably out of the scope, but I'm just just thinking out loud. If we're going to spend the the effort on streetscaping this, the the whole drop-off zone only being on the other quadrant, you know, if we're, and we're we're putting this money into doing a pedestrian here, I think it would be a missed opportunity to. Also explore how we could do that last that that drop off area on this side of the of the, of the freeway. Just another thought. I, I don't know how that would how much right away there is on that front, but again, I think if we're talking about pedestrian experience and so forth, that transit tie to that. I think it's something that would be that, that could be that could be a good opportunity to take into account.
2: Yeah, and um, with the with the drop off pickup drop off spaces shown here at the Lee Johnson, even though I'm saying it is. For the future google development those would be publicly accessible spaces that could be used Um, oh that'd be great yeah Mm -hmm. something
3: yeah even tying it in even highlighting that out this is an opportunity to have a drop-off area that we we didn't get on this side of the freeway that would would be a a great plus really i mean that's perfect
2: might be a bit of a walk let me see if i have a bigger context but there's but
3: it's just as far as as the the, the official drop-off area on the other side
2: those a little bit here, so the station would be in here and could be a, a bit of a walk, but yes that's a great
1: point On the other side
5: yeah I, the I think to your point um even if it's a, a longer walk it does offer another opportunity for people to do whatever's easiest for them it's another another choice and um so, uh, and yes, we've you know we do think of the, that about this is even though it's part you know it would be part of Google's operations and their TDM and stuff it would still be open to the public for pick up and drop off.
3: Oh, that'll be great. Yeah, like I said, you know, you know, it might be easier for them to drop off somebody because make a turnaround and go back rather than just the pedestrian how far it is away. But yeah, if there's some shared signage saying hey, just some some blazing sign saying hey, this is the way. That'll be that'll be awesome to include not just for Uber,
0: but like truly a part a private partnership, you know, kind of opportunity. Yeah.
6: Um I'm more in favor of the alternate one because it favors multimodal, especially pedestrians and bikers. Um a question I had was, how would the traffic look like in the future in both of these? Because we're looking far into the future and we'll have more bus routes. So I was just wondering how the traffic will look like.
2: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, in addition to that future bus route at transit station at the interchange, the, the Sound Transit Stride BRT, um, there is also the King County Metro K line, which is another bus rapid transit, which will be coming on 85th. So that'd be east-west um, in this particular location. Um, and whereas that'd be north-south. So that'd be another transit connection. Um, with the exception of 124th, we aren't widening any roadways or planning to widen any roadways as part of the station area plan. Um, you know, the interchange is a pretty innovative design with a new roundabout to have better traffic flows. But I think understanding this is going to become a more urbanized dense area with the new zoning and the new heights, um, you know, accepting that it will be a more urban congested area. Um, so we really are trying to provide other means of travel, um, than just driving, but yes, there will be congestion. I think there's no getting around that with growth, Um, We did present the person trips on this and I can share that around again if you'd like to see that about the projected number of people that will be in the station area by 2044. I don't have those numbers offhand.
5: And I think the one thing that I would add related to that is that although you know we do anticipate additional congestion we did Analyze this to make sure that we're not, um, you know, we're not creating gridlock, so that it still functions. And um, uh, Victoria has worked with the consultant even on this design to kind of go back and look at at least at a, you know, sketch level to make sure that the one twentieth alternative looks to, you know, function with the traffic
1: that we're forecasting in the future. Is there any plans for a bus stop between on one twentieth and eighty fifth and ninetieth uh,
0: going northbound?
2: on on one twentieth um, there's one existing today around here at the Lee Johnson site and yeah. then there's one northbound around here, mm-hmm. the cemetery. Um, I imagine those would be the same proximate locations. I don't know that we've had. Any conversations with Metro about moving those
1: yet? I was just thinking maybe there will be another one between 85th and 90th by that new neighborhood. Mm. The,
5: the one odd thing about the, the bus, the only bus route that operates on that corridor is a custom bus that is funded by Lake Washington School District. So it is one, let's call it southbound, bus in the morning and one northbound bus in the afternoon that serves basically the north the north end of kirkland so although there is you know technically transit and technically anybody can ride it 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 really isn't you know your typical transit route and i would you know it's not something we've looked into but these these two stops are really oddly placed because most of the people on that bus are going to and from the high school. So why they would be getting on and off there is kind of a, I don't know, kind of a question, but yes, that's 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 the transit that's on there today.
1: I was kind of thinking in terms of with the K line, there might be bearing more head traffic there in that corner.
2: Yeah, I think east-west on 85th, in addition to the one at interchange off the page, there's one um, right in front of the taco time right now
1: pretty heavily used I know by students so. I was actually
4: just thinking something similar to that um, it was about what is the kind of expected design vehicle for 120th. Do we have I know it's Costco's there so there's probably large trucks that need to get to and from but I don't know if 120th is meant to be that corridor or if it's meant to kind of be more of a lower size vehicle to be able to tighten in the intersection corners and have Shorter crossings.
2: As of now, we're still anticipating Costco to be there and their trucks to be there. We're not um, preventing their continued use of being there. Um, I don't know the vehicle number, what we used. Do you recall, Joel? Yeah,
5: we, it's the struggle in these areas of not having much of a grid. Um, and so, you know, once again, we're, we don't have a lot of other options. So with this street, we are assuming that it, um, the, uh, you know, the the new Rose Hill mixed use, the Madison development that's referenced, um, they, uh, their concept is that they'll be taking deliveries from 120th, Costco will be, um, the operational concept for the um, Google buses is that they will be um, coming uh, eastbound on 85th, entering into their uh, transit hub, which is on the 85th side coming, but that's quite close to 120th. So they're gonna have right in, right out. So the concept is, is that they would Take a right off of their site, a right on 120th, and go down and get back on the freeway at 70th. So, so there's going to be quite a lot of activity on 120th of larger vehicles, you know. And we want to make sure from a TDF perspective um, that that you know that G bus service is as 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 you know without going too crazy as as you know efficient and and stuff like that as possible so yeah.
4: okay yeah i was just curious if we're yeah. to the point of delineating out potential portions of the 120th quarter like the north end could be wb67 the, the large semis while the, the southern portion could have a smaller design vehicle such as the google buses which may factor into um, how things are looked at with the layouts and as the design approaches or kind of advances in the future it's kind of here's the baseline, it's locked in.
1: Yeah, that's a great
0: point. Would um, 10-foot
1: lanes be adequate for that kind of use though? Maybe 11-foot would be better.
2: I will say these cross-sections don't include the gutter, so it would be Uh, 11 feet including the, the
0: gutter. Thank you.
6: So the baseline doesn't have product, protected bike lanes. So would the speed limit differ compared to the alternative because the alternative has protected lanes so there's no potential injuries?
2: Mm. Yeah, I, I think the speed limit, the posted speed limit would be the same in either alternative uh, because it is you no know, pedestrian oriented and more urban use. I don't think um, we would change based on the, Like facility or not, Um, and again, it would be a a citywide network review um, of those of those speed limits, and it would be treated as a collector street. This one,
0: and I I think the the design
5: speed is a really great question, and um, and we should be more clear that. As a main street, this would be, you know, our goal would be a 25 mile per hour or lower speed to make sure that we're being more, you know, um,
0: uh, intentional about that. AJ, do you have any comments? I have nothing that hasn't been covered.
1: I'm sorry, I didn't quite pick that up.
0: Oh, no, nothing that hasn't already been covered. Okay, thank you. Well, if there's no
2: more questions or comments, um, next step is we'll kind of brief council on this alternative, and it would be included as part of the phase two, form-based code adoption as a new development standard for this particular street cross-section. So in the current form-based code, there's a cross-section for the main street would just be updating that. And then um, potentially, I suppose, updating this map to show yellow the whole way instead of yellow and blue. So that would be the outcome of this.
1: Um, What does the schedule look like for adoption of that?
2: Yeah. planning and building are leading the charge on that piece. And they'll be going to a planning commission uh, in November and December and have a public hearing. Um, gosh, is, is Scott on the audience to be able to speak to the schedule of those dates? I wanna say November 10th, but I don't wanna get him in trouble either.
5: <laughs> Hi, um, thanks, uh, Victoria. Um, I, um, Looking at the schedule, we've kind of made some adjustments here uh, to the schedule. So the uh, the here uh, we'll have a planning commission hearing um, that will incorporate these changes in um, December to the planning commission. That would be, uh, um, I believe, it's December uh, December eighth, and then we will take this to city council for final uh adoption in January of
0: 2023. Yeah. Thanks. Great. Thanks, Thank you. Good presentation See, next up
1: is with the maintenance dashboard discussion.
7: Good evening, commissioners. Hey, um, this is really meant to be kind of an informal discussion. Um, Let me see if I can pull up some of the um, data. Am I in
0: the right spot here? No. Yeah, I
5: thought I had I had opened those. Yeah. Up.
7: Yeah, okay. Um, just give me a second. But um I'll just have to Oh, there's no city of Kirkland.
2: Apparently this whole time I did not share screen share. I if you want to screen share.
7: Oh. Yeah. I
2: can well, we can send the presentation out.
7: Okay. Well, if you haven't gone to your Boards and Commission webpage, here it is. Um, let me pull that up. memo. Let's see. Here we go. There's some links in this memo that will just, hopefully they work. Yes, they do. Um, so I'm sure you're familiar with the 2012 Streets Levy. This is a permanent levy that... Um, supports the preservation uh the maintenance of the city's streets um and i would say without it we would not be able to maintain the 70 um pci pavement condition index rating of 70 um so that has been really helpful in maintaining that that standard let me see if i can pull here we go okay Um, so this is a report that it's, it's made available mainly on, I would say on the city's website. It's, um, transmitted to the city council for their review and their approval. As you can imagine, it's a pretty, you know, labor intensive document. We have one of our outreach coordinators. He puts this together. He, He includes, obviously he's reporting out on where those dollars went. And so it is meant to be, I would say, almost like, almost like a accounting document. This is accounting for where your tax dollars went. Um, And so it's a pretty nice, I would say, you know, it's a really, I don't know if you've ever read it. It is really easy to read. It, I think, tells a really great story of everything that the city is doing. So the city does um, a hybrid of contracting out where we go out to bid and we use contractors, lowest bid of course, to preserve those streets. And then we also use our own crews. Um, We have a crew that has all the equipment um, to do some of our residential local streets. So it's a combination of contracting and a combination in-house. And so here, let's see if I can pull in you start to see some stats here. And so again, this is a pretty well done report um, providing statistics of how we are doing as a city with the levy dollars. So I'm not thinking we want to recreate this. This is well done. And as I said, it's at this point, it's done. It's really done. Oh, did you guys see you get some get some credit there. Um, It's done every year and, um, but it is manually done. um, And it's, I would say my kind of one dismay is it's not widely spread. It's not widely available. We don't have the resources to mail it to every single household. I mean, I wish we could, um, but it's, it's, Council, it's to you, it's to anyone who wants to go into the website and check it out. Um, so limited, um, very limited uh, audience. Um, you're familiar with this. I know this is something Blair has come and presented. This is, um, again, meant to be a really quick progress report on how we're doing on the transportation. A master plan. Um, this document, given a minute, this document is really attractive because it's in your infographic style. So, really, very simple um, to understand and really simple to um, grasp. In fact, I think over the years, you all have given us input for improving that document. I don't know why it's taking
0: so long to load. Um, you think refresh?
7: Okay Okay, there. So hopefully this this is something you recognize. you see there it's we're really tracking safety numbers, um, walking, you know, how we're doing on our bike network, transit. Again, you see PC, um, Pavement condition indexes is noted there as well. So um, this is a really, I, I again, I think this is a great document, really easy to understand, really easy to grasp. Again, it's um, not a broad audience sees this. Again, like the street levy report, this is transmitted to the council. It's transmitted to you. And that's kind of it. Um, the city does have a, um, and here's a dashboard just to kind of give you another flavor of,
0: what is it? No, it's here. Uh,
7: sorry about this. i so this is our police use a force dashboard. I think we used an outside vendor to help us create this. Again, meant to be really easy for um, the public.
0: I don't know, I haven't really... Yeah. Do you... This one? Oh,
7: thank you. Okay, yeah. So you can see this is, a very sophisticated dashboard, um, in, and very visual, and it's showing um, all the incidences, locations, again, time. We, and very detailed data, just to give you a flavor. But they did, con- I'm, yeah, they did contract out and produce this. So I think another one, a good example, um, you all, City of Phoenix. Um, so back in the '90s, when I got into local gov, performance measurements were big thing, <laughs> um, and some cities really knocked it out of the park, and I would say Phoenix is probably one of them. let me see if I can find. Um, shoot, I don't have it. It's
0: not. Oh, let's see.
7: Okay. So yeah, this is right. This is not really what I was thinking. But anyway, the point here is to say um, some cities like Phoenix are, have been doing this a long, long time, performance measures. I'm going to sit down if you don't mind. Um, And a lot of cities have, and I've, was in the city of Rockville implementing performance measures, um, like I said, in the 90s. And it was very manual. It was very um, labor intensive. I mean, I remember that city, we had probably 50 programs and a thousand indicators of data we were tracking, manually tracking. Today, it's gotten better, but I would still say, I would guess that Blair's Infographic is very, very manual, very manually. And, you know, it's just, it's, if someone can invent a tool, Sri, yeah, you you got to do this. Invent a tool that can just collect all the data and put it in a beautiful dashboard, that would be awesome. But it's just very difficult to do and very expensive. And generally speaking, cities are hiring a software developer probably to pull pull them together and make it happen. So having said that, um, I'm really pleased that you all are very interested in the maintenance side. Um, The city has invested hundreds of millions of dollars in capital, especially mobility, bike lanes, sidewalks, trails. But once that asset is developed, it has to be maintained. And this is where, um, you know, we know we have fallen a bit behind in that. and we know that if we start tracking it, guess what's going to happen. We're gonna we're gonna improve that. And so I'm really excited that we are going to do a, a dashboard or a report card, if you will, about how we're doing on our maintenance um, in our budget. I'm you know, really pleased in in the city manager's proposed budget. He did include all our budget requests asked of which streets and grounds is getting a significant amount of resources, but that's where the demand is transportation also did very well. Again, that's where the demand is. So, but, um, but I would love to be able to create a document that as a mentioned earlier, had a little more wider audience, I, you know, and maybe we can do this through social media and that kind of thing. I think that's possible, but um, I'm really interested from your point of view, what do you believe the public would want us to report on?
0: I'm all
3: for it. I mean, I think that, you know, metrics, KPIs, and so forth are, is really where we need to be. And it, it's a lot of transparencies for our citizens in terms of what's going on. Uh, having said that, you know, it's great to have these metrics and so forth, but, you know, we talk, we've had this conversation before about PCI and what does that really mean? How is that really? I think in the last uh, meeting, uh, commission meeting, we talked about the CIP and mm-hmm. $12.2 million backhaul, the, well, p- potential shortfall to keeping what we have today and um and and besides reporting i think it's also good to see the trend mm-hmm. where we're headed because it's great we're doing well now but guess what the trend's going down it's like this is as best as it gets because it's going to be 70 instead of 75 and uh i think so the, so these infographics are great but they, they don't they didn't capture they don't capture right now where we're headed and and it's it'll be a missed opportunity to also show that it's like great we're we're here now but if you if you want to maintain it, this is some of the shortfalls. So having a dashboard to also show that or trend that or even show historical. Um, I know my first meeting, we had that conversation about the PCI and this overall 75 is really kind of like very overall, right? It doesn't show the most extreme, low, low end or high end, right. what the spread is and so forth. As a citizen, to me, it's, it's always about my street. And yeah. So being able to go to GIS and say, PCI of like, what? Twenty-five, or no, I'm just kidding. Like, like sixty or something. <laughs> Whereas everybody else is like seventy-five. I'm like, right. that to me is more 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 relatable, more useful for me if, as, as a citizen to, to when I go to my city, say, hey, where am I on the list of repavement, you know, repaving or so forth? Okay. Um, and so for me, at least from a reporting out, it's it'd be great to have more of a localized, like, you know, well, if we have the data, show it out there. Like, what's it's an overall seventy-five, but if we, we do the GIS stuff here in terms of be able to point, okay, click on here and get a, like a dashboard of what that. So it, it, that interaction would be actually, you know, if, if it's Tableau or it's the, the current GIS platform you guys have or web interface, that would be really useful on that front. So we can click, okay, what's my pavement oh, setting five? What does that really mean? You know, and have a translation. This is my local street, you know, repaving in 2023 or repaving in you know, a priority list, even just like how we have a snow routes sort of thing. Okay.
1: Um, I think you're right on on that because as a citizen, I, the PCI index doesn't mean anything. I mean, it, it could, but um, relative. But <clears throat> I want to know where, when my streets being repaved again. Um, it'd be nice to have a yearly thing, maybe a map that shows what streets were paved that year, how many lineal feet. You know, what was the goal? Uh, did they achieve the goal? Um, yeah. And, particularly with the amount of development going on, there's a lot of pavement cuts and then there's there's full patch. Exactly.
3: And I would just add, I would challenge um, us. I think in the last meeting, Joe, we we talked about, I'm very worried about if we're going from 75 to 70 as our our PCI average right now, that that's not much more cost it'll take long-term to get us back, right? Because once you go down the PCI curve, it takes more effort and more investment to get back up right if you take care of stuff early mm-hmm. so i would challenge us beyond just dashboard but like as a group to say well what does that mean if we invest five million dollars right now versus waiting for payment to get worse and five million dollars doesn't get you to that doesn't doesn't buy as much in terms of payment rehab or you know, street rehab
1: efforts
7: mm-hmm. conditions mm-hmm. okay
1: that's great you have a like a yearly goal right for like overlays and things of that like-
7: Um, I think to be really simple about it, I think the goal is, again, we're driven by that overall PCI rating and driven by this is the amount of dollars you have and kind of, you know, and then we work backwards with, um, obviously the streets are prioritized, you know, based on the rating, um, and, the area that I think we've really fallen down on, and again, we want to improve this, is really the residential local streets.
3: Uh, I can see we're living in an annexation area. You can tell, especially the annexation,
7: annexation area. I mean, tell. we You're
3: like what's going on. We do
7: have some areas that are gravel. I mean, like yeah, that's pretty remarkable. And so, you know, and and those streets, as you know, a street that has to have a complete rebuild it ends up just it becomes and and when you don't have the volume of traffic.
3: Yeah, you don't get on the list. It,
7: it you get you're lower on the list. And and it just because that that cost per linear, right, is just so expensive. So but I do think we have to um and we're and so we have a, a good group CIP, the O and M side really working together. We want to get to a place where, and we're just, we're not there, but this is the goal operationally is to do all that prep work a year in advance of engineering coming in and doing the bids, specs and stuff like that. So it's, and and right now we're, it's a little too close. And so in other words, and, you know, and this is something we'll we'll talk about, you know, you really want to capture the bid climate, right? And making sure you come, come out to bid in the right time and that sort of thing. We've done pretty well, I think, as a city, but that is just something that we know we have to improve on. We have to be much more systematic about this. Um, and this, again, this is an area that, I don't think we did share the streets and grounds assessment with you. We did present that to the city council, Again, this was an area um, that, you know, over a year ago, I really wanted to focus on a lot of complaints, a lot, again, a lot of visibility. It is one of our most visible services. And so we brought in an um, outside consultant to evaluate the operations of that division. And a number of recommendations came from that. Um, And so we are in the process of implementing that right now. Yeah. So if you would like a presentation, we can come and give you that. It's a lot of it is really structural, operational. I think in the way the consultant put it is kind of Kirkland went from kind of small and I wouldn't even say small, midsize, you know, 40,000 to big almost overnight with annexation. And while we did grow to, you know, to an extent, we did grow with the FTE. It just, and it, it, we just need, we need more resources to manage everything that's coming into this division from sidewalk repair to street. I mean, we, we don't, we don't have a street pruning plan. Like we need stuff like that, you know, basic things like that. So, um, so moving from kind of a um, I call it kind of the Maytag, you know, the impression is that we're the Maytag man waiting for citizens to call us and for a request. But it hasn't been that way. It's there is so much work to do. They're out there all the time. That's a big piece of what I'm hoping to capture with the dashboard or is what are they doing? And educating the public because I think a lot of the public just. Doesn't understand what what we're doing. They don't get it, and I and that's on us. I think it's really on us. I don't think we're good at we undercommunicate these things. I think this is an opportunity for us to communicate this to the public. How many how many streetlights are we managing? How many signals are we taking care of? And what does taking care of mean? I think you brought up a good point about definitions. Define it. What does it mean? No, and and I think I think again we really fall short in educating the community about that.
3: Yeah, uh, just to reiterate, I, th- I think it's great what we're the the basic numbers like we replace 50 street lights or you know, mm-hmm. whatever mm-hmm. traffic signals. But to me, it's kind of like, well, are we doing more or less? Because like my, my like still yeah, I need a baseline, baseline, and okay. then, but then also like where are we trending or what's the trend. I mean, this is not just the reporting out what the absolutes are, but what that trend looks like. Historically, this is what we did. This is now this is where we're going, or okay. is that to me for year on year out for my parents? You need context. I need context. I mean, like, yeah, things are getting better. Yeah, because yeah, you're, you're look, you know, it's getting better, and I feel it. But otherwise, it's kind of like,
5: uh-huh. and then you know, I I don't know if it. Let's see. Can I have them now? Oh I sure, sure. That, I think that'll work. Okay. The one thing that we tried to do with this and. Part of the goal. Let's see if it springs to life here for us. You have to turn it on It is mm-hmm. on. Uh, there Don't there. mean to move it. Oh, I just clicked on something. Anyway, that last page there, that's grayed out. The final page was our attempt at showing some of that progress over year over year. I'm mm-hmm. um, in a very simple, simplified format, mm-hmm. but like. You know what percentage are we of? You know this was very. This is very com- focused on percent complete, which is what the transportation master plan was focused on, and so that was our attempt to try to get at some of that. So yeah.
3: But like to me, the the like like the PCI index to me it's like well it's steady, but I see the roads getting worse on one thirty second. You know it's kind of like <laughs> you know, the, the, this doesn't relate to me. It's hard for me to relate to that. So being able to more you know. I think it's it's so simplified that it's so oh, it, it's it does what it does, but it doesn't then becomes so
0: diluted. It doesn't as an average citizen, it doesn't really, you know, sway me one one way or the other. It's kind of like, yeah,
4: yeah. I think what you're kind of pointing to is having that overall sense of where are we, and I think having a dashboard that at a very basic level. Has the, like, are we in the red, are we in the yellow, are we in the green right now um, on some key factors, whether it's pavement condition or just overall, in, you know, on track for investments, yeah. you know, kind of a few key categories that you can always have on that dashboard would be that absolute baseline. And then after that, you can kind of drill down into what does the map look like for, for you know, pavement condition across the whole city. Um, and that way people can click on their street and see what's going on. then when you kind of zoom back out you still have that like baseline of hey you know this one street's bad but overall we're still in the green and
7: yeah so you really do want some analysis in there you're not just wanting data reporting because i think that's what this is showing maybe just the data and the facts but you want someone to have looked at it and said are we trending right trending that sort of thing i I would almost
4: Take it as a, a point in time snapshot. Like in terms of, say, the PCI, you know, at, you know, at the current year, we're in the green, we're, we're within mm-hmm. our target. Okay. Um, but then some of the other key metrics may not be. And as for all of us here, mm-hmm. I feel like we will get into the weeds where we love data.
7: Yeah, yeah. Um, okay.
4: But I also think about how this will be the most impactful for the general public having some simplified pieces are, are really good. Um, some of the things that Blair did in the, in the report up above where there was kind of almost one-offs of, hey, next year there's gonna be a transit shelter at this one location, I thought was really good. Okay. Um, because that's really, it's marketable. You could put it, you could just snip that and put it in a social media. Okay. Yeah, you're talking about like just two different things, right? The,
3: the drill down what mm-hmm. it is to hyperlocal yeah. Versus just an overall like temperature gauge, but hyper local. But then separately, I think the analysis part that was what we're also talking about is separately the trending, think, imagine expectations like in our budget, so that you no, know, when we do come out and say, look, we're we want to increase funding on pavements, or mobility, or bike mm-hmm. paths, or something like that, we we say, well, look how the trend is, and we want to be over here. Mm-hmm. So I think those are two different uh, items. One, I think one just drawing in because I think. I mean, you guys have a patient payment I would assume you have a payment management system um, and yes. you connect that in so that would be like the drill down from from this from a dashboard. It's like, okay, it's not on my street versus the trending, which is more the trend is is, is a little tougher because that that's that that takes some uh, some analysis on that I mean, having the data because you already have data I think that should be a lower effort automated effort. Yeah.
7: Did we, did, I'm sorry, I missed the last meeting. Did you see the PCI?
3: We talked about the- The analysis. 75, it's PCI 75 right now, but if we keep the same steady state, we're $12 million in the whole. Okay. Okay.
7: Sounds like you may have seen that. Okay. Because we presented um, the PCI trend to council. Yeah.
2: We just got the memo.
7: Okay. You got got it. Perfect. Okay. Yeah. Good. Good. Yeah. Okay. Any other, I mean, again, it's, this is going to be um, evolutionary, not revolutionary, evolutionary where we will probably start off with kind of what are the widgets we're doing. Um, And I'm really proud of the city. Um, I guess back in 2018, The city embarked on an asset management um, system and our crews are using it. So I am really pleased with them. They are using um, this system because it can be very hard to get adoption, (laughs) um, but they are using it and they have done a pretty good job, I think, tracking the costs, labor materials, equipment, all of that is in this asset management system. Uh, obviously, I'm challenging our staff, well, let's. what's the next step in that evolution of asset management? Again, some widgets, we've got the widgets, but now I think we're ready to say, okay, what is it telling us? Um, taking some time to really analyze the data and what's in there. Um,
3: yeah. I have to give you guys a hats off because we put in uh, a request for a street sign replacement cuz the bowl was getting rotted out and you got your the crew went out we, we used the app the crew went out within like 6 days we're like what it's already
7: done that's joel's division um, but
3: the thing is like the cool thing is like you got done so quickly but when we did the app thing it told it just said oh it submitted it didn't tell us like yeah it got done or but some of those cool metrics about like how quickly did we go out you guys go out there and and do something I mean, you know, it's like call wait times on customer service centers. You know, like, let's call wait times. <laughs> it's kind of KPI metrics, you know, like, that's really cool. The city, like, we we were pleasantly surprised.
7: Yeah, That great. was really
3: cool. Um, that's I'm great. Fine. But that's kind of the story that doesn't get out there. And it'd be yeah. cool if you guys get out there and, and see it.
7: Yeah, that's right. Well, the streets and grounds gets, well, the public words gets over 2,000, I think, um, public requests annually, about 2,200. And about half of those are streets and grounds and maintenance center requests.
3: Like I say, we were really impressed. And that, that's a great story to say. I mean, I, I remember my, my other city, it took a while. <laughs> <You know? laughs> it's awesome.
1: Did, for all those requests, Julie, do you, you ever find out how many have been done? And do you, would that be reportable? And
7: That's a great, yeah. So I like that. Using reporting out on the customer service request. Yeah, that's a good one. Yes, we do. And unfortunately, we the two systems, Lucity and our um, Kirkland do not necessarily communicate. Um, so when that request comes into our Kirkland, it goes to a person who determines, okay, where does it go in in um, the maintenance center this case it went to brian um dulceg and then what happens is just because of the volume and just again not a really good system we determined it's best to just close it out in the the our kirkland system but yet you're not is a little like Okay, I think so okay. I we
3: like, think, think got it. We're like,
7: <laughs> think got done. And um, unfortunately, we just don't have a system that talks to each other. And so it's a manual, it's very manual. Yeah.
3: Oh, no, no I, I get that. <laughs> work, I work in systems, but it'd be cool if, if you're looking for dashboards on it. Like Those are really the, okay. the stories to tell the systems. Like, yeah, these whole patches are and blah, blah, blah. got done. And
7: okay,
1: so, that'd be really powerful from voting. Public morning, exactly. Like, wow,
7: oh, my tax dollars are work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you interested in seeing? Speaking of tax dollars, are you interested in seeing the cost of things? I mean, again, I find sometimes the cost of something in, without context is hard.
1: I guess I'd, I'd be interested in uh, like what you got this part of money, and what are you getting done for it? I mean, does that get um, about the same every year in terms of you're accomplishing these things or is it been lean because it's costing more you know just it's sort of like the red green okay yellow I like that color thing that you've mentioned that right and then it's really powerful like oh we're doing good or I don't know we need to do will be better
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. okay
7: Okay Well, hopefully you will allow me to come back and you will be my guinea pig to review drafts. and um, it, this is this is helpful. We have a kickoff meeting at, at staff level in a couple of weeks, so having a sense of what you think is important to report on is very helpful. Thank you..
1: Thanks, Julie.
0: Yeah. Julie okay.
1: well, agenda. Okay. So next up is, um, is our updates from Joel.
5: Okay. So um, just a couple updates this evening. First of all, I wanted to note for everybody that I did send out an email on the Bike Friendly Community Award survey. Uh, the deadline for so. Our um, program assistant, Sierra um, Olson, who um, is a temporary position with us, fortunately, she was able to uh, tackle the um, bike-friendly community um, application because it was a whole new application this year. Uh, League of American Bicyclists had had completely updated their application. So it was um, quite um, quite the application to fill out. So we've submitted that. And um, one of the things that they do as part of that is send a survey. And so uh, please fill that out um, and share it with your your friends and neighbors and other folks you know who are cyclists. We are working with our community outreach folks to get the word out um, through other means and methods as well. And uh, the deadline for completing that is November 6th. there's a little time left, but um, and it's pretty thorough. It's it's um it's a, a nice survey. Um, another update on the school zone safety cameras. The their construction is now underway, but um, it is the vendor has taken a little bit longer than anticipated, and um and then there's in, working with PSE and things like that. And so the new schedule for getting that up and running is having the cameras start uh, issuing warnings at the two new schools, which are Lakeview Elementary and then 85th, 84th Avenue on Finn Hill and the schools up there uh, issue warnings on basically the first day of school in 2023. So I think it's January 3rd. And then about a month later, uh, the, I think it's, we're targeting February 7th to start issuing tickets. So that's the that's the new schedule. Of course, the other sites at Rose Hill Elementary and then Kamayakin uh, Middle School slash John Muir on 132nd Avenue in, um, in Kingsgate uh, are you know issuing tickets now. And and we, you know, we continue to see those you know, having an, an impact. Um, also wanted to highlight the, as you probably, anybody who's been through Totem Lake, it's hard to miss the Totem Lake Connector Bridge. Um, we're hearing a lot of, you know, positive things about that. And we're very excited to have that uh, significant, you know, statement about the importance of walking and biking in in Kirkland and the importance of the Totem Lake neighborhood Uh, complete and uh, the was originally supposed to open this fall but the combination of COVID and I think to a larger degree the concrete strike uh, ended up delaying that the timing was not very good for that project as anybody noticed you know it was kind of like halfway through the concrete when the concrete strike happened and so um, that ended up pushing out the opening until the springtime but we do uh, we, we'll make sure to keep the commission apprised of the date and in, and would encourage hopefully everybody can ex- attend we plan to do a really celebrate that um, in the spring of 2023. so we're really looking forward to to doing that. Um, and then finally, just another reminder that uh, we've combined our November and December commission meetings, and our next and last meeting for 2022 will be on December 14th. And I wanted to, want, off script, just a little bit, wanted to give you an update on the uh, filling of um, the, the vacant commissioner position. We did end up uh, the city ended up extending the recruiting period to make sure we got a. Um, uh, a, a f- There's as much time and opportunity as possible to recruit a candidate. And we were also recruiting for a couple of positions on the Human Services Committee at the same time. So uh, they wanted to keep all, all that together. Uh, I believe it closes very soon, maybe even tomorrow. Um, and. That will then uh, go through the the interview and selection process. I'm not sure that we'll have somebody for our December 14th meeting, but uh, definitely uh, should have somebody for that first meeting in 2023. Okay. So with that, uh, that concludes my updates, and I'll hand it back to Chair Aaronsville.
1: So uh, just go around the table here. Do you have any uh, want to
0: share yeah um
6: it's more about concern that's happening on the 130 second Avenue so there's a bus I think it's 250 or 225 We're near that bus stop that there's like sort of like a tree or like bush sort of um we there that it's hard for the bus driver to see who's waiting there and it's also hard for the students to see there so what they do is they get off the road and face oncoming traffic to see if the bus is there which is not safe so i heard um my brother goes to us so he takes the bus he was telling me how he felt and his friends felt too and how they, the bus driver missed him and they had to wait for the second bus so I just wanted to
5: let that know. Uh, I'm not familiar with that exact location, but maybe after the meeting, you could point it out on a map or something. And we could see if we could um, work to get some trimming done or something like that. Yeah. Great. Thank
0: you.
4: Yeah, I'll just kind of give quick props to the, the city. Um, I was driving home last Wednesday before all the rain started. Um, and thinking about like streets and grounds, uh, they were re-striping in a large portion of the street around Juanita Village area. And so after it rained and was dark and weather totally changed, I'm like, I can see the striping again, this is great. <laughs> um, so just wanna give props on that. Uh, and Joel, one thing about the bike friendly community survey, um, I started taking a look at it, I hadn't gotten very far, but one of the questions they asked was what award level do you think is appropriate? was there a specific target that the city has? Platinum.
0: <laughs> 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 no, just right. For it. Just go.
5: <laughs> yeah, I, you know, our we endeavor to be um to be platinum, we're currently bronze. Uh, I think realistically what we would really like to we would be, like to be I think we felt to be quite honest a little hard done by bronze. Um our neighbors to the south and to the east are both um, silver, I believe. And um, I think that, um, although I would not say that we like are exceptionally better than them, I would definitely say that our bike infrastructure and our bike programs are, you know, they're, we have different emphases and stuff, but we're in the same ballpark as those cities. So I've always felt like silver would be a better Better place for us, <laughs> quite honestly.
7: I don't know,
4: <laughs> it's not a competition, but it is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right.
3: <laughs> yeah was, was there an update to that Slater Road and that that East Creek corridor crossing discussion or design? Because for me personally, my, my pet peeve is because I take that road down to sixty acres for the kids' soccer game, and a left turn from Slater Road to. 20 if I, I forgot what the street is but yeah that left turn is just horrendous that wait time at times so there's like three or four cycles you're waiting to get left turn and we had talked about double left or was there a room for double left or compacting it and then the queue back up into the trail crossing areas at times can get you know pass right through that 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 uh trail crossing area that we're planning that street at grade
5: yeah so the the funded project well the project we are currently working on would not address does not include addressing the the capacity issue at the intersection it addresses the um improving the crossing of the east rail ckc and um and then uh i think with your more traffic operation question what I could do is put you in touch with um, the one of our transportation engineers, who could he really appreciates um, when we see when community members see something that operationally, and I think uh, you know like, and I think you probably totally get this is like kind of specific time of day what you're seeing because then he can go in and um, look at that specific condition and see what can be done to, to address it. So, um, but yeah, I can put you in touch and, and um, that would be, it's always appreciated because certainly we have things where, um, you know, people contact us and sure enough, we've got a, you know, a detector that's hung up or, you know, something like that, that it's like, Oh, well, okay. If somebody doesn't let us know, you know, it's hard for us to track of everything
3: that'll be good that'll be good yeah because to me it just backs up into that krill crossing and our design
0: is mm-hmm. is a great level that was the concern. okay yeah thank you aj do you have anything you'd like to share with the group oh, i don't really have anything no okay thank you
1: all right so with that i think we can adjourn early yeah.
0: You know, right. Well, thanks, everyone. It was good to see you
1: remotely.
6: Oh,
1: oh, oh! wow! There, I didn't realize you were there. You get a now. <laughs> <laughs> Last time we missed the group picture, so we get to very on. <laughs> so I've been quietly enjoying everything. So Rafael, do you have anything you'd like to share with the group? Uh, not n- well. I did have one, just small thought on the on the metrics and the uh, the discussion that we'll have uh, next time when we look at the widgets and all that. I, I just want to encourage uh, trying to put out a good idea as early as possible before we get it perfect and see if we can get more feedback from folks uh, having some infographics and stuff. Like we can always change the data later, but that's probably a discussion for next time. Okay, good point. I, I like the color that's being that's used on these graphics, it just pops out nicely. Nice. Hey, well, that's great. Um, so, thank you for everybody for attending tonight, and it's been a good meeting, interesting topics, and uh, looking forward to seeing you in December. Great. Thank you. Bye now.
0: Thanks. Great.